Hello and welcome to Dr. What Now with me, Zoe Valbray, and me, Ines Pinheiro. This is the show that explores the exciting world of post PhD careers in life sciences. Each episode, we chat to a special guest who has left academia and successfully transitioned to a different career path. We hope that these career insights can help you see what opportunities are out there after your PhD. Before we start, you can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram with the handle at doctor underscore what now and on our website www.drwhatnow.com. And now let's jump into this episode. So hello everyone, uh, I have the pleasure to welcome board uh, Susanna Gobi. Um, she earned her bachelor's degree in physics at the University of Pisa, Italy, and her master's in neural systems and computation at the University of Zurich uh, and ETH, where she focused on the and models of perception. She then decided to pursue a PhD in neuroscience at the Zurich Center for Neuroeconomics in Switzerland, where she developed a clinical research project uh, focus on obesity in women using both behavioral tasks and functional magnetic resonance imaging data. During her PhD, uh, Susanna joined Roche uh, as a RISE PhD intern in October 2020 for one year, and then she kept working as an imaging biomarker data analyst while finishing her PhD. She's now a first-year postdoc at Roche working on Alzheimer's disease and brain functional connectivity. In her free time, uh, she enjoys cooking, playing board games and, uh, and swimming. So Susanna, thanks a lot for, for coming on board with us. I'm very happy to, to have you here. Thanks a lot, Ines, for this kind introduction and for inviting me. It's really my pleasure. Thank you. So let's dive a bit uh, into your career choices as a, as a scientist. So you have a degree in physics and then you decide to switch to, to neuroscience, which is, which is quite a, a difficult transition, I would say, uh, quite different. Um, but you still kept study, studying uh, like systems biology, I guess, neur neural systems and computation um, in your master. And finally, you decided to, to, to do a PhD more focused on, on neurosciences field. Um, so my question is, what made you passionate about this field? Uh, why did you choose this field? Uh, and, um, and then why did you decide to, to finally pursue a, a PhD journey? So I know that it might sound strange from a physicist to move to neuroscience, but actually to me came quite naturally because um, as a physicist, I always saw my position as someone that will be a problem solver. And uh, what is more uh, of a issue nowadays or something that we need still to discover so much about than the brain. So mm -hmm. at the end of my bachelor, I had the chance to listen to a talk from a professor about neuroscience. And this is how I discovered the field of neuroscience really toward the end of my bachelor. And there everything changed for me. I was like, wow, the brain is so a mystery complex. and complex and I want to work there. I want to know more there, what, what's happening there. And uh, I started talking with a lot of professors, they were physicists and then they moved more to bio, uh, bio uh, system studies. So um, step by step, and asking a lot of people what they were doing in their life <laughs> as a neuroscientist, I decided to move more uh, toward neuroscience and um, go, go in this journey of discovering more about the brain. So, and there I first, yes, did a master that was really mixed. So the master helped me really to learn also more about the biology, complex system, how to use my physics background to apply, apply to biology. And then um, my PhD, I tried to go in the direction that was always my 
my aim since I started actually university. So I wanted to be useful at a society level. I wanted to do something that would make an impact. Mm -hmm. So working in neuroscience, I had the feeling that to make an impact, I had to start working with humans. So I moved to the Center for Neuroeconomics to study more um, human behavior, how we as human make decisions, and, um, and then prepare myself to move to the clinical side and the clinical aspect of the neuroscience. Mm -hmm. So you were really driven by the topic and it was just a simple class and this happens many times. Yes. So we have this big professor just very passionate and we were like, okay, this is what I want to do. Maybe the future. <laughs> they change everything. Yes, yeah, it's true. It, <laughs> it's true. It kind of happened to me a bit as well. Um, and then you were thinking about driving your career more towards the, the translational aspect. Um, yes, so this exactly. is why you chose to do a more clinical, um, clinical associated project. Um, Okay, cool. And how do you describe your PhD experience, like uh, both uh, advantages, disadvantages, pros and cons, and how important it was to actually have this translational aspect of your research to, to be where you, you are today, actually? So I always like to describe the PhD as a roller coaster. So <laughs> it's a lot mm -hmm. of up and down. People mm -hmm. that are in the PhD, they can relate easily. So there are moments where you feel like, oh, wow, everything was so well. I'm the top of the mountain. My project mm -hmm. is great. I'm doing an amazing job. And there are moments where you're like, okay, nothing's working. Why am I doing this? I will throw this computer literally out of the wind at this moment. But... Why it's okay. I think that in the PhD, you have to embrace really the journey. It's a journey, not only professionally, you are growing, you're learning so much, but it's also really a journey at the personal level. You gain a lot of soft skill. I think the PhD gives so many soft skills that sometimes we underestimate how much we learn how to work with different people, to handle different tasks, different type of stress. Like maybe sometimes people are... Um, having problem presenting in public and then in the PhD you will end up in a situation where you need to present your work, your research, cannot stay for yourself. So yeah, I think that um, for me, the point was that I always wanted to do a PhD. I was really, really, really sure mm -hmm. about that. So it was more like, I know I want to do research. Yes. Um, I always think that motivation is the most important thing. That doesn't mean that motivation is to be, I want to do it, because it's the most important thing in my life. It's just that you can also do a PhD for fun, but you are aware that you're doing it just because you want to learn more and you want to do a PhD. So I think motivation is the key word to do a PhD because um, things will not go mm -hmm. as planned. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is 100% sure. Um, another key aspect is really the team and the people that are yeah. working with you. They make mm -hmm. a huge difference. And I had really amazing colleagues and okay. um people surrounding me and this um at yeah this is a plus when yeah. you're stuck yeah your even project. a project is not working at least the environment is is counterbalanced exactly uh, yeah and um then it's i changed field the field was different because now i was working with humans and um actually i never done uh neuroimaging before it was my first time i um, when i did uh, all the application all the step when i started my phd really the the first months I had to learn everything about MRI mm -hmm. I didn't know anything so it was uh quite it was amazing for me the first weeks I remember going to the scanner be like wow I mm -hmm. see I can look at the brain at the real time and I understand what, what does it, it tell us yeah do you always when there are the down times in PhD you always need to keep thinking of why you're doing it and what mm -hmm. is your motivation behind it and this will help you going through 
Yeah. And ask for help also. This is super important. Yeah, don't be afraid ask for help. to ask for help. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so during your PhD, um, you have you have had an industry experience through this uh, RISE PhD program, which is very known from Roche, which allows PhDs and also medical students to gain insights into drug discovery and, and development uh, at Roche. So how did you decide to apply to this program? How, how did it go? How, how did this program actually help uh, you develop other skills, both uh, scientifically and professionally? So uh, this is quite uh, a funny story in the sense that I still remember it. I was uh, toward the end of my third year of the PhD. It was summer and I was in the middle of a lot. I was like writing a paper, finishing some analysis. There was a lot going on. And then mm -hmm. suddenly on the chat that we have in common in the, at the Institute, someone wrote like, oh, guys, there is this opportunity for an internship as a PhD at Roche to work on Alzheimer. And I was like, hey, really? <laughs> <laughs> Wait one second. I read the description. I was like, wow, this is look like they wrote it for me because it was exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted really to expand um, my technique because I already work a lot with neuroimaging and MRI, fMRI, functional MRI. Mm -hmm. But this would have been an opportunity to learn a new technique and above all to work exactly on the topic I wanted to work. Because I yeah. always wanted to work in neurogenerative disease, but I started the PhD with basic healthy subjects at first and so when I saw this I was like okay what should I do the application was really like in few days and I was like I have wow. so much to do and at the end I was like okay you know what I stopped I stopped one of the projects I was like now I take this all this time and I try because I had my friends even my parents were like but this is what you want to do you should apply you should do it you should do it. they were really like really motivating me like Mm -hmm. Yeah, my professors were great. They were highly responsive, you know, and gave me feedback because I was preparing motivational letter. I needed a letter from them because you need a letter. Yeah. It's more than a recommendation. It's like that they need to agree that they're fine with you to stop. Ah, yes, to, to freeze your PhD kind of, yeah. Yeah. So for me, I had also this discussion with my PIs and they were like, yeah, you are toward the end. You are in a good position now. It's fine for you to freeze it. At the time, it was for nine months. Mm -hmm. And uh, and mm -hmm. I prepare everything and apply. Then I, I got so that I because I knew someone that was uh, working there. Mm -hmm. So this and then I said, like, okay, um, uh, what do you think? And I feel like I asked for feedback if I could be a good fit. Uh, and option, then yeah. they said, just like, just apply. There is a standard procedure for apply a Roche, actually. It's like a portal. Mm -hmm. So I went there, put all my information, apply, and um, yeah, then uh, then I do this. Um, it works uh, the internship with a series of inter uh, of interview. Then I oh, had all the interviews, okay. and then uh, it was quite fast, I have to say. And then I started um, in the um, middle of October 2020. It was uh, I'm always super super glad for this opportunity that I had um, mm -hmm. because it yes, made you jump into into industry yeah. and also to to develop. Uh, another methodology it, within your, yeah, your passionate field yeah. exactly so I learned a lot it was really a lot of uh, learning in that nine months I learned this new technique and then I, I also learned all about um, the Alzheimer the pathology how it works mm -hmm. at the normal level it, a new world actually opened up so from my side I have to say I highly recommend doing this kind of experience yeah it was it a was real fit I, I think uh, I mean, here in Geneva, the RICE program is also advertised, but it's true that they are looking for very specific expertise and in specific field. So you really have to, to be a, a fit. And it's also very competitive, let's say, if we can do it. Um, and while doing the PhD, it's, it's pretty amazing because you're doing in one shot your PhD plus uh, transitioning uh, at the same time. So, yeah, it's great. 
Um, so after the, the RISE program, actually, you kept working at Roche, right? So while you were doing your PhD, you had as a part-time job as an imaging biomarker data analyst. I'm wondering how, how this worked out and how this actually married with your, with your PhD um, because at the end, okay, you are working in the same field, but you have different projects running and uh, I guess it can be so overwhelming. So I was wondering how, how did it work for you and how did you manage your time? <laughs> yes, you you are right there. The, you know, for a lot of people, sometimes they have this perfect match that the, the rising there or what they are doing really uh, is completely in line and compatible with what what their, their PhD um, project, but for me it was something on a side. Yeah, it's the same technique, but it's like uh, I'm working on Alzheimer and uh, in my PhD I was working with obesity and other type of things, but really task-based analysis. And here I'm doing a uh, different type of jobs. So um, what happened is that um, at the time we first of all extended. So I got an extension from nine months to one year for my internship, uh-huh. Rosh, because we wanted to analyze some other things so we ask for extra time and then uh, during that time I had a discussion with my line manager it was like look uh, there is there would be an opportunity to stay and still keep working on a side on this way of things while you're doing your PhD is that Mm -hmm. possible and I was like sure I mean I really love to work uh, with the team there I really Mm -hmm. enjoy the environment everything I was like if I can stay and I can keep learning absolutely yes um, so how it works is that my PhD it really depends so my PhD here in, in UTH uh, is not 100% uh, as usual your PI need to approve but the university need to approve yes. so University of Zurich uh, you have to end in documentation and say like can I have this type of and you have to explain why and the motivate yeah. and everything and for sure I was really like this it's a great opportunity and yeah. I managed to have all the yes and then I I kept this job so how it works it was that I will like split really my days often. It really depends on what I have to do. Um, So I would be like uh, maybe during the mornings and early afternoon work mainly on my PhD work and then take some time for each afternoon to work on the projects at Roche. But the work is mainly remote, right? Uh, Computer-based. My work, sorry, yeah, this is important to mention. It was still during COVID. It was, we were still like, Oh, yeah. 2021 mm-hmm. beginning of 2022 so it was still like uh, a lot remote I, I did also my internship was full remote oh okay you learned a lot about time management and project <laughs> yeah management, that's true for sure. that's true this is another thing you learn uh, that's, that's really true it's like uh, yeah. these are all these extra skills that you get without noticing mm-hmm. it because you have to manage your time and the projects and mm-hmm. uh, different also switching between the two because it was really like switching my mind like okay now I'll go back to one project and I need to to have a type of mindset and then uh, okay let's go back to the things I'm doing for in the company so let's change mm-hmm. my my way of thinking now that was like um, yeah actually this is a good time to ask you a question like you were saying that you actually had to change somehow your mindset because you're switching from academia to industry mm-hmm. but is is this really true is really there's really a shift um, because it's a company or it was just a project related that uh, you would have to think in a different way or, or approach in a different way no, it was more like here it was more project related because at the end of the day, I'm, all, I'm always doing research and I'm always uh, working in neuroimaging, but it's really project related because ah, okay. the project requires a completely uh-huh. different way of also technique. I was using different techniques, so I need to also to think 
differently on how I'm analyzing the data, I'm looking mm -hmm. at them. Um, sometimes people were telling me like, yeah, but what do you do in an industry company? I was like, what well, I was doing the PhD. <laughs> Like yeah. I'm doing research. At the end uh -huh. of the day, I'm doing research, right? So I'm okay. Analysis of data or, or mm. this kind but of in terms was... of yeah, in terms of deliverables like uh, deadlines, do you think it's it's more intense there? Um, it's, it's different. It's mm. different. It, okay. it really depends also what are you what you are used to in academia. So because yeah, I know sure. in academia it change a lot depending on the group and, the, and your PIs and everything. Mm -hmm. But uh, sure, in a company, because you are in a company, even if it's research, you have some more strict timelines, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so okay. for sure, it's a different way of um, doing research. It's not like that you can basically sit there for months and be like, yeah, let's try X, let's try Y, then I try what yeah. said, I do this and that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more like, oh, you know, we try, need to kind of have an answer by this time, more or less. So let's uh -huh. try to, um, to focus on it. So it's for sure it's more um if you're not used that in um used to deadline in academia yeah a company is more uh deadlines and uh deliverables as yeah. you said and you can have maybe less freedom to explore anything you want uh, or do you still feel that the freedom is there and you you can be proactive and uh, develop yeah any... actually okay. i had a lot of freedom and i could be proactive in all my projects okay. also you, you have to think that when you're doing this for example the RISE internship they are really exploratory projects also and um, it's really research early research and yeah sometimes it's really like uh, looking at more of these aspects that are uh, more exploratory so I felt really like a lot of freedom okay, of good. testing and uh, they gave me a lot of freedom actually I was really like uh, in the lead of my own project it was super mm -hmm. cool Good. That's good to know for whoever is in, interested in, in the program. Um, and then, I mean, you defended your thesis. You are still doing this internship at the same time, I guess. So how did you decide your, your next steps, your next direction? What were you, you looking for? So, uh, again, also here, I'm, I was quite clear with myself that I wanted to do a postdoc. Mm -hmm. But I also was quite clear that I wanted to do a postdoc in a, working on neurodegenerative mm -hmm. disease. So I really wanted to work on Alzheimer. I wanted to keep working on Alzheimer. I really, I was really inside the topic. So um, I really liked my work at Roche and the environment. And I knew that there were opportunities to the postdoc at Roche. And for me, it would be really great uh, because then, um, you know, when, when you're also doing research, you also need to look at your career and be careful of which decision you're making, if they make yeah. sense for your curriculum and everything. And for me, it was really like, okay, it will be natural that after studying and doing a PhD in a healthy brain, healthy human, I move now to clinical because I already transitioned through my internship and now I can finally mm -hmm. work on AD. And so for me, it was really like, okay, I knew there was opportunity for this postdoc. So I thought like, okay, my first, choice was that if I managed to get a postdoc at Roche, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I would have looked for other opportunity. Another option would be like, because at the end of the day, we call it postdoc, but if you take any research scientist mm -hmm. position, it's the, the same, same. Yeah. right? So yeah, I was also looking at this type of opportunity. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the postdoc went through. So, And the, the third option would be that if nothing went, went through, then I would move actually because then the best would be would it be for me to move country mm -hmm. but because i'm changing completely field and everything and actually my postdoc is also in collaboration with the university of amsterdam oh, okay. so 
I'm also collaborating with a professor there. So oh. it's like, a, yeah, a lot of these postdoc projects, they are between mm -hmm. academia and uh, so academia and industry. So it's super nice because I think you take the best out of both. Both worlds, yeah. Um, okay. And when you were applying to your postdoc, this was after defending? This was during? I um, actually, for me, was a bit different in the sense that um, usually this postdoc position, uh, they are creating and then they post yeah. them. Uh, yeah. But because I was already working there, um, I discussed this with my boss and then we um, worked together on a project proposal. Ah, okay. It was an so, internal postdoc. Yeah. So I was like, uh, I was applying with my own mm -hmm. project. Okay. And um, no, this will be called that then we go outside. But sometimes ah. if you have already the person, you can apply with the person. Okay. But it will so it's a bit like... Yeah, yeah, we, okay. um, they will go out. The, all these postdocs are advertised out, outside. Uh -huh. But if you, for example, have already a person that can work as a postdoc, mm -hmm. then you can do an application where you have evaluated both the can, not only the project, but evaluate also the candidates and everything. You know, it's like um like in a package mm -hmm. thing. You you. So what was great is that in practice I apply with my own um, idea and my own project that I developed with. Um, I developed this mm -hmm. idea with my boss. We work on it. We involve this professor, and then we apply for the fund. It's like a funding okay. application, but it's in the company instead of being like you know yeah. uh, in academia. Yeah, because I was like evaluate. Uh, uh -huh. They evaluated me mm -hmm. as a candidate, and then I I got uh, okay. the position. But usually we have there are multiple call for postdoc uh -huh. um, uh -huh. during the year, and this like the rice is called rice internship, and the postdoc are called the RPF postdoc. Okay. Like they, there are all these opportunities and they're always advertised in their official uh -huh. portal. So, okay. So, so as a PhD student, um, most of us or a big percentage is always considering uh, doing a, a postdoc. And um, I'm wondering in Roche, what is the, the main criteria to actually get a position? Is, is the, the technical skills, your, your background, do you really have to match the the type of um, experimental methodologies? Is it the publication record? Um, uh, of course, I think it can vary, right? Between the, even departments in Roche, even between PIs, they might have different perspectives. But what, what is your perspective on that? So I have to say that Roche look at a combination of all these things. So it will look like a, your skill. Sure, it's important mm -hmm. that you kind of match the person uh, skill that they're looking uh, for, like... Yeah. Um, that that's quite reasonable, I think, also for our PhD application. It was the same, like you have to have certain backgrounds and stuff. But it's also a lot of also soft skill, your um, also mentality, right? Because uh, it's also important when you apply for a company that you are also um, are in line with the type of uh, mm -hmm. company you are joining, right? That uh, that um, so I, I think it's not purely your um, your um, method skills. But it's also a lot mm -hmm. also uh, you as a person, how you will, uh, yeah. uh, what you will bring to a team, how you work with other people mm -hmm. and all the, the soft skills that you learn during the PhD. Because believe me, sometimes you don't see them, but there are so many soft skills that you learn yeah, that you've yeah. got. And, um, and this will mm -hmm. be equally important, you know. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But for example, in the, in the first screening, actually, it's just your CV, your mm -hmm. publication record. And I think in, in some um, events that I went, career mm -hmm. events, uh, it feels like if you don't have a big paper uh, or one or two as first author, in this first screening, it's really a distinctive factor. But then you have all these other skills and you as a person that come up after and um, 
So in this case, usually you can, yes, you have your CV, but you have also your motivation letter. Never yeah. underestimate your motivation letter. Uh, you can mm -hmm. show a lot of yourself and who you are. Well, I think like the first really screening with the CV, probably what is um, what do we look at if there is a matching in the skills? This Yes. Okay. If you're, for example, like you're applying something completely outside your um your field and it's like, I don't know, they're looking for something doing neuroimaging and you never done neuroimaging in your life, then mm -hmm. it's kind of a yeah, yeah, like yeah. not match. Mm -hmm. And that means like, you know, sometimes I think we get super stressed with job application because we think we need to meet 100% everything that is written there. But I think, you know, if you are also 80%, I will just try. Why not? What is, what is the best? Yeah. Um, and uh, I wonder about uh, a day at work at Roche. So um, how, how does um, it work for you? What are your main responsibilities in daily basis? Is, is this, it's still um, academia-like, split between planning, conducting experiments, analyzing data, lab meetings? Do you have these journal clubs, seminars? Yeah, I wonder how, how does it look like? And also in terms, if you could describe a bit more in terms of how does it work in terms of project management and collaboration? Um, uh, it would be nice just to have an overview. How, how does it look like? Although, as you said, I mean, you are still doing research. It's it just you are in Roche. <laughs> you are not in academia. But, yeah. So, yeah, I'm uh, the, base, the basic thing is that I'm um, the type of research I do. I mainly do data creation, analysis of data. I'm not in a lab, as I mentioned, yeah. not like collecting data myself. Mm -hmm. Um, the thing is that there's gonna be um, aspect of the project that will be shared with other colleagues. So maybe we will work more as a team. We will be like, okay, you take care of this, I take care of that. We have like uh, um, weekly meetings or every second week meeting okay. to um, catch up on where we are and what we need to do. And then regarding my project, I have um, I'm doing a lot uh, by by myself. It's my own responsibility. I'm the leader of and of the project and. I have like the professor and the, my supervisor and and my manager at Roche that I discuss with, mm -hmm. and we have meetings. Usually, we have a meeting like every second mm -hmm. week to like where I do some kind of uh, updates to them at which uh, stage I am on the project. If I have some question or I need some feedback from them, we want to exchange a bit of opinion or what would be the best way to proceed. Then on a weekly base, for example, we have often um, uh, meetings. Uh, it could be different type of meetings. Um, we have also like as a big group. So I'm, I'm at um, Arosh, you have different groups, right? I am like uh, my project and the, the people that I work with are like maybe these two, three, three people. Then I have my little group that we are like four or five. And then you have bigger, bigger group. You are in band in, in, uh, in bigger yeah. groups. And then... Uh, um, some at least once per month you have this huge meeting okay. together. We also have science meeting where we present our own research. Uh -huh. As a PhD and postdoc, we have also like a PhD and postdoc meeting, ah, cool. like uh, where we can present what we are doing uh -huh. once per year, so that you get also an overview of the project. The PhD and postdoc, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Nice. You have a lot of opportunity mm -hmm. to, to discuss, and the people are always super happy. Um, to discuss and if you send them a, a message, this I always love it. Like if you have a question and you know that there is an expert in this topic, you can just send a message and say like, hey, hi, by any chance, next week you have time mm -hmm. for a coffee, we sit down an hour and we discuss this thing and they're always That's really... Nice. Um, so uh, I wonder what are your roses and thorns? So what part do you enjoy most about your job and what are the biggest challenges that you have you have had so far? 
So uh, you mean in the postdoc and the, yeah, current position, current position, yeah, current position. Mm. Yeah, I think that as I mentioned, many times I love really the environment I'm in. Um, the topic is exactly what I wanted to work on, and I feel like uh, I can really make an impact. I can really work on the old data, and this this is such a privilege. Mm. Um, the challenges. Um, I think like that um, in my field, specifically when you work in neuroimaging, one of the big challenge with all these data is that you have this beautiful data, a lot of beautiful images, like you're working with mm -hmm. big data, but you need to curate them. So this is one of the most painful uh, okay. parts, I have to say, of my job, where you really need to spend a lot of time and months uh, cleaning data. It's like that uh, before you can go to the fun part that is the analysis mm -hmm. explore the data and everything you really need to process them and clean them so you know that you're gonna be patient mm -hmm. for some months and work on this clean your data set and be patient and wait mm -hmm. until you can do the fun part but it's okay because i also believe that this cleaning of the data is most important step in what i okay. do in general i in the environment i don't really see challenges mm -hmm. Like it, good. Uh, it's really, really yeah. Happy. It looks like you are super happy, passionate, and yeah, happy with the environment. <laughs> I'm wondering um, if um, so. Th this data that you collect, so we are working in early development, but all these uh, mm -hmm. MRI, MRI images, whatever, uh, is this data from patients that are being treated under like um, uh, clinical trials from Roche? Uh, how, yeah, is this? Uh, I work mm -hmm. on in clinical okay. trials, but it really depends what you're working on. You might work in completely mm -hmm. different things, but yes, I work in, okay. um, in clinical trials. Okay, so I'm really basically looking at the, these primary patient. outcomes that you are expecting to see in the in these Alzheimer patients, which are under the the clinical study. Mine is for mine are more exploratory, more like I'm okay. doing more because yeah, the type of images mm -hmm. I use are more like this more exploratory aspect and points. Um, okay. mm -hmm. Yes. More exploratory okay. endpoints, um, but they are yeah, uh, clinical trials. Ah, cool. um, well, that's good to know. I didn't, I didn't so yeah, for this, I really feel like uh, that's why the um, impact you you mentioned. Well. The impact, mm -hmm. I feel it's so so strong, okay, right? Cool. Um, yeah. Nice. Okay, so we are going towards the end. <laughs> so let's uh, dive a bit more into the the advice. So, what would be the best piece of career advice uh, that you, you would give to PhD students in general? Or actually, an advice that you have been given, and that you think, okay, this I followed this advice, and this is working for me, or or not? Yeah. Um, okay, <laughs> my advice uh, might sound strange, but uh, this is something that I experienced myself, and I think uh, this is what um, I believe is most important thing for a PhD student nowadays, mm -hmm. like in the time we are now, and is that don't be static, so explore. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to uh, learn about new things, new new fields, or, um, you know, you go to a conference and uh, you find a professor that they're doing something interesting. While you're doing your PhD, maybe you do a little tiny project or some discussion with this other mm -hmm. person. Um, don't really, don't stay in your bubble and keep be curious and open-minded. Mm -hmm. You never know yeah, what's going to sure. happen, what's going to be next, right? Not just project related, right? Like maybe um, exactly as you are doing. You are doing a podcast. You are learning things from other people and you're trying to share this knowledge with other It's amazing, right? You mm -hmm. are going on different type of challenges. You learn new things mm -hmm. because 
probably you never done podcast before, the first time it would be like, okay, I'll do this and that. Or also the opportunity to meet so many people. So there are a lot of chances on doing on a side yeah. things uh, while you're doing the PhD. And sometimes, you know, when you're stuck, when you're frustrating, when things don't work, to have some little yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I think it's very important to have a... Mm-hmm. It, it really helps yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and yet, you know, I, I believe that this is something that changed a lot with our generation. Because before it was really more focused, like, okay, you go on this path, you see this path. And now I believe that the world requires us to be um, really more open. And um, and I think it's also for for you personally. It, uh, it helps you a lot to, develop to other explore skills. And, and develop other skills and, and even learn what you really like. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of what I hear a lot from PhD students, like, I'm not, I'm not sure. sure. Yeah, exactly. Is this my field? I'm not 100 percent sure. Where shall I go? And you know, sometimes also this internship, this opportunity are super important over that to make you understand is this the right direction? Mm-hmm. Maybe I like this, maybe I will not like this. So it's really yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you need to explore. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to take as a PhD, so you need to take as many opportunities as you can to explore. Yeah, for sure. Also, we have to be lucky with our lab because not all the labs also allow you to have this, I know. this freedom. I know. So this is a problem as well in academia. I, I have to say yeah, uh, this is true and it's really important you mention it because, uh, for example, for me, uh, one of the most stressful moments was like, oh, mamma mia, I need to ask. <laughs> I can go away from the past. Yes. But then I, I have to say I was in a really good position. Mm. So I was really like toward the end of my PhD. I was really already like um, wrapping up from... the analysis and yeah. wrapping up. Yeah, I was really wrapping up. I was writing. Mm-hmm. It was really a good timing. Yeah. And yeah. I also knew my PI were a really nice PI and they knew this was really important for me because I always told them um, that they wanted to work on neurodegenerative disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they always they already knew that um, I will move in any case yeah, yeah. toward my field. And uh, if you have a PI that sometimes I think like uh, where you don't have so much support to PI, you need to try in any way to get your opportunity. Mm-hmm. Like do your best to to really explain why this is so important, why yeah, you should yeah, do it. Yeah. And sometimes maybe you can look at something shorter. They might agree more on something like that is mm-hmm. like, I don't know, a six months exchange or these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't be afraid to push a bit. You just have to, to, to fight for it. And yeah. Okay. Uh, so my last question is actually about the future. So do you believe um, in a five-year plan or go with the flow or... How, how do you see yourself in in five years or or more as you wish? Yeah, this is um, the one million dollar mm. question yeah. usually, right? Uh, I have to say that personally, I'm really a planner. Uh, maybe you already got it a bit with all my answer. Be like, yeah, I always knew I wanted to be a PhD. I exactly. To be. <laughs> like, but how? <laughs> I really add this kind of thing, like. Um, uh, above all, doing working research or in academia, that is important to have a kind of plan and um, like this five-year plan where you want to arrive. It's just that because mm-hmm. this helped me a lot to keep, for example, stay motivated during the PhD and be like, okay, but I know what I want. I know where I want to go. So keep going, keep going. Um, but also I have to say that what I learned with this experience at Roche yeah. with my internship and everything, that it's important, even if I have a plan, I'm a planner to keep it flexible mm-hmm. because in my plan there was no postdoc at Roche <laughs> because there was no idea that I could go it was really a matter of uh, okay I'm planning yeah, I know yeah, what yeah. I, where I want to be but the steps in the middle I keep it really like let's see which 
So I keep this um, long-term goal, uh, but always with an eye on, okay, don't stay too much uh, Mm -hmm. with my eyes on only on one road. And if you don't know what you want, it's not a problem, you know, because I saw a lot mm-hmm. lot of time people panicking, like, yeah, but I have no clue what I want in five years. Everyone of us is different. So for me, I'm really like goal directed and I really have this kind of thing. But if you don't know, for example, what you want to do in two or three years, I think that the best is really just to be flexible and try here and there. Yeah, try things. Don't be afraid of try because the other problem is that sometimes probably people think like, oh, but what if I get a job and then I do it and after six months I think oh I don't like it this is not what I thought yeah you change actually it's also really good to learn what you don't like yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. and for example I I don't know if you your plan is to stay in big pharma or or even moving into biotech Uh, I don't know but um, it's your idea to to keep doing science and do you think there's there's a there's a, a place for you to to grow for instance in Roche um in uh, in research yeah so for for me now it's like uh, now I got the postdoc and it mm-hmm. will be a two-year postdoc with the yeah. opportunity eventually to extend for one more year so in total eventually you can have three years but you have uh-huh. to go through a process of um, requesting the third year and see okay. if they gave it to you mm-hmm. And then actually, then I will see, uh, because <laughs> it really depends what opportunity opens up, because yeah. we are talking like, a, I mean, a lot of things might change in um, in three years, right? So I need also to, um, to understand what would make more sense for me. I know that for sure I want to say research. There are mm-hmm. opportunities to work in research at Roche, yes. There are full departments doing research where I, where I am in. There are people that have... Uh, a permanent position in research, right? They, you mm-hmm. can do that. Um, but I'm still deciding this, I have to say, which direction I will go, because it really depends what opportunity mm-hmm. I will get in the next two years. So are actually open to pharma or academia? Yeah, I'm open to both, to... because um, because as I mentioned during our interview, I think that uh, to tackle the, this kind of question, like neurodegenerative disease, you need both. And you are within these synergies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I feel really like I'm in this middle. I mean, bo- in both because in any case, I'm collaborating also with university during my this postdoc. So I will see what um, where the current would bring mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yes. Really the flow. <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Susanna. I think you gave a uh, a big piece of advice to our uh, PhD uh, listeners um, who are wondering what's what's next in their career. Um, and it's nice to have a, a perspective of a postdoc position in industry um, slash academia at the end. Yeah, I think we can finish um, now. Uh, I'm wondering also how people can connect with you if you are open for people to, to, to chat with you and which uh, social media they could yes. use. Yeah, sure. Uh, people can... Please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm always really happy to discuss about what you do next uh, or where are you in your PhD or if you have also interest in similar field as mine in general. So mm-hmm. yeah, feel free to contact okay, me. Okay, cool. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for this opportunity. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. What Now? Do you want more episode updates or want to get in contact with us? Dr. What Now is on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram with the handle at Dr. underscore What Now and on our website www.drwhatnow.com.
We're always looking for more guests to invite, so get in touch. See, See you, you next time. time.